the front at the end, which is why we did a shorter set here at the beginning. You guys were just looking at me like, what's going on? What? I wanted to worship God more. So I thought I'd explain that. And also want to tell you all, Happy New Year, So I haven't seen any of you yet. Yeah? Man, you guys are really excited to be here, I can tell. All right. Oof. It's the first service of the year. It's exciting. Giannis is excited. He's always excited, though. Doesn't count. <laughs> and uh, today is actually not just a special service because it's the first service of the year, which in itself is pretty exciting, I think, but it's also Epiphany. And Epiphany this year has fallen on a Sunday, and also known as Three Kings Day in German, Dreikönigstag. Not sure where that comes from exactly, uh, but in English we're, it's usually referred to as Epiphany. Uh, some of you might also know it as the day in January that you don't have to go to work for some reason. Everything's closed. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case this year, so maybe you're already like, whatever, Epiphany is kind of a disappointment. It would have been way better if it fell on a Monday so I didn't have to go to work tomorrow. But here we are, it's Sunday, sorry for that. Uh, but all the same, I want to wish you guys just a happy fest of the Epiphany. It's a time of celebration, it's a cool time to remember. And some of you might be thinking, I have no clue what Epiphany is. Uh, as I was preparing for this the last few weeks, I asked a lot of people kind of their thoughts on it or just if they'd ever heard of it, and I was very surprised at how many people just had no clue what Epiphany is or what it's about. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, as it is Epiphany, so it seems fitting to talk about what it's all about. Now in the calendar, as I, it, as I mentioned, it, it'll just say Epiphany, but traditionally it is referred to uh, a fest or even a feast of the Epiphany. And it's something a little bit more exciting, because Epiphany in itself can sound a bit dry, can feel a little bit distant from us. Something, again, maybe that day that we don't have to go to work, we maybe don't have any kind of uh, connection to it. And so I like the feast or the fest because it, uh, it suits it a little bit better as what it really is about, which is a celebration, a time for joy, a time for rejoicing. And I think nothing says good times like a good feast, at least in my opinion. So that's what we'll be referring to it as. But what is Epiphany really about? Why do we celebrate it at all? Well, Epiphany, traditionally, is the kind of the end, the climax, the pinnacle of the Christmas celebration, most commonly referred to as the 12 days of Christmas, which started on the 25th and then go until the 5th of January, followed by Epiphany on the 6th. In the States... Anyway, uh, Christmas starts really like on Black Friday, and uh, I know in my family, like the tree was already being unpacked on the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, it just went all the way until the end of December. We are a Christmas family, where I come from. And, but traditionally, or the, kind of historically, we had these 12 days that started on the 25th, and then there would be this time of celebration, of giving gifts, of feasting and eating together and celebrating and remembering, and that would be on the 6th, on Epiphany. So what is Epiphany about? Well, in a word, it's about revelation. It's about revelation, things being revealed. Now, in English, we know this word. It's not that unfamiliar to us. 
but it's usually associated with self-revelation or realization. So that moment when you've maybe been working on something for a long time, you have kind of, you finally figured out, you finally solved a problem that you've been dealing with or struggling with. Maybe that moment you finally figure out what your thesis topic is going to be and you have this kind of eureka moment, you have an epiphany, you have a moment of self-realization. Or for me, it was realizing that hey, I want to get in shape this year. It's kind of one of my New Year's resolutions. We'll see how it goes. I'm telling you guys, you can kind of hold me accountable. And, uh, you know, kind of had like an epiphany moment that, well, if I want to get in shape, I probably should stop eating so many frozen pizzas. That's for me. You can maybe take that wisdom home with you and your own New Year's resolutions. But epiphany, actually, when we're talking about the holiday of epiphany, it comes from the Greek word, which is a verb meaning to reveal. And all of the various events that have been celebrated throughout the history of this holiday of Epiphany have all been about the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ to humanity. And so I want us to focus on this or take some time for this because I think we don't, I don't want us to be too quick to make Epiphany some kind of thing of the past, some kind of forgotten feast that doesn't really connect with us anymore. It shouldn't be like that. It's a time of, ex- of excitement, of celebration, and remembering that the God, the God of all creation, has revealed to humanity a plan of salvation. And how amazing that is. That through His Son, Jesus, who is the Christ, Christ, of course, meaning that Jesus is the anointed one, the appointed one, the one that was promised to come, that was prophesied about. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and our personal Savior today. That's what we're really celebrating. Epiphany is about the gospel, and not just the work of the gospel, but the revealing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's good news, as I hope you guys will kind of connect with a little bit and maybe, I don't know, look a little more lively by the end of the sermon today. That's my hope, that we would, that I would ignite an excitement and a joy in all of us, myself included, and give us a reason to celebrate this, a reason to look forward to the 6th of January, even if it falls on a weekend and we don't get a day off of work. My hope is to see this as something that we mark in our calendars and that we look forward to and that we don't see it as kind of the end of something. Oh, there's all your faces. It's not uh, Christmas coming to an end, but it's the pinnacle. It's the climax of the 12 days of Christmas, of the Christmas celebration. So another thing to note when we're talking about epiphany, as I mentioned, it's a verb. It's to reveal and so it should be noted that it's, it's an action, but not our action, but God's action of revealing himself. And epiphany is not something distant or foreign from us, but personal and something that we experience. And that's what we're remembering, what we're celebrating is this act of God to reveal himself. And so we're experiencing God's action of revealing himself to us in Epiphany, and that's what we are focusing on. With the rest of our time, I really want to kind of look through a little bit more of a broader spectrum of this, of what Epiphany is. There's a lot that you could say on this topic, 
uh, looking, researching Epiphany, there's tons of different directions people go with and different focuses. And throughout history, different aspects have been celebrated. But as I mentioned, the focus has always been the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I want to take a broader step back so that we have more of an understanding of what this really means. And for me, what I'm go- I want to express this in a way of what it means for me, why I'm excited to celebrate this, why I think it's something that is important and something that extends throughout human history. It's not just one thing. And as most of you who do know about Epiphany will know that it's usually connected directly with the the Magi, the wise men that came and gave gifts to Jesus. And that is a huge part of it. But I think that there's a bigger thing happening here that will help us to understand what's really going on when we talk about God revealing himself. So first... And really, in a, in a nutshell, we're talking about the gospel. Epiphany is nothing new. As I mentioned, it's something I believe that extends all of human history. And if we're really talking about the action of God revealing Jesus to the world, then it begins before time itself. And we see that with John 1.1, 1, 1, and there's a lot of verses we could reference, but in the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's referring to Jesus Christ, that He is the Word, meaning He's the truth, and He's always been. He wasn't, He didn't just come into existence at His birth. He was there at the beginning. He was there with God at the beginning. Before time began, before the creation, before the foundation of the earth, Jesus was there. And that's important because we know that God always had Him in mind. Jesus was always plan A. It wasn't like, what do we do now? We need to figure something out after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. God always had in mind to reveal Jesus to the world. As Adam and Eve fell short of the the point of, of holiness that was required by sinning in the garden, God didn't forget about us. Thousands and thousands of years later, he had in mind already to reveal Jesus to the world. God chose to create humanity knowing that we'd fall short, that we'd be unworthy and unclean, unsuited, unfit for his presence because of sin entering in the world. But God wants so badly, so passionately and lovingly to have a relationship with us that he put a plan in motion from the very start. Jesus was there at the beginning. And it's out of this great love for us that he revealed himself. Not to show his greatness, not to show his might, but to create an opportunity and an atmosphere of closeness between us and him. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God without any fear, without any They weren't worried about what would happen. They didn't have any weight of shame on themselves. And we're offered that again through Jesus Christ. He always had in mind to bring things back to the way they were meant to be. To open up that communion with God. To live in relationship without fear. We have this today because of the epiphany. Because this, Jesus didn't just do things, he was revealed to us. 
the revealing of the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. Epiphany is also about seeing the bigger picture. And this is where I think the story of the Magi really come in. And this is what people a lot of times connect to this because it's not just the revealing of of God to the world because we see that all throughout the book, all throughout the early books, right? That God had revealed himself to Moses. He had revealed himself to Abraham. All of these, to the Israelites, he spoke to the Israelites, he led the Israelites. But God had the bigger picture in mind too. It wasn't only for the Jews that God had a plan, but for the whole world. And the Magi were an example of this. Of course, again, it's called Three Kings Day in German. Nothing, uh, nothing to suggest that there's actually three of them. We don't know, just more than one. And they probably weren't kings. They were most likely advisors, which we usually refer them as wise men. And they would have been advisors to a king from wherever they had come from. Also don't really know where that might have been. And they would have been people, most likely astrologers. They would have watched the stars and looked for signs about what was to come, trying to get some idea of a predicting of the future. And then they would relay their information, relay what they found to their king from wherever they were coming from. And here's where I think we really see this big picture. Not only do we see the connection that God was working in other places in the world and had drawn, was drawing other people to himself, revealing himself to other people besides the story of the Israelites, but we also see that something miraculous in the way that he works. Because these men were looking to the stars, and when we look at the Bible, that seems really distant from how God works or how God speaks or how God leads. He doesn't use the stars. That was a lot of the pagan uh, religions at that time would have used. And yet, God used what they knew and the way that they sought truth to bring them to the feet of Jesus. It was through these strange means that brought them right to the feet of Jesus. And on seeing him, even though he was a baby in a manger, they knew instantly this is the king that was promised. This is what we saw. This is what we saw when we saw that star. That's a God that has a plan and a purpose to reveal himself to humanity. God's ways are not always our ways. He does things sometimes differently than we would, differently than we would expect. He has his eyes on all people, on all creation, on all the world, and he seeks to reveal himself to us. Not just with the Israelites, but to all people. And that in itself is a testimony of God's greatness and his love for humanity. That we who were not from his people and that includes, I think, most of us here today, have experienced his grace and revelation through epiphany. Another way that we see this manifest, epiphany, is that epiphany became a real point in history. God's plan to reconnect with his children to reveal himself to humanity is more than just this story or a plan in itself. It takes the form of an action and a real point in history through Jesus 
Christ, the birth of Jesus. And that's what, we, that's what we're celebrating when we talk about Advent. Advent is about the coming of Jesus. That all throughout history, from before time began, God had this plan that he was setting into motion. And then there's this real point in history where he did come. And so we celebrate this coming of him. And then at Christmas, of course, we celebrate that he did come. He did reveal himself in the flesh to humanity. That Jesus is God. He is the fulfillment of the promises that were made about him. And he became flesh to bridge the gap, to reunite us with our Father God. And Jesus is revealed in Scripture multiple times, but one famous one, he's revealed by the Father himself, right? As he's being baptized by John the Baptist, he, the clouds open up and there's this kind of momentous moment where God speaks verbally revealing him as his son. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. God revealed him to those who could hear. But Jesus also revealed himself as God. And again, he did this in many ways, but I want to look at one moment that I find a bit all-encompassing when it comes to this topic And this was at the very start of his ministry. This was long before he had done any of the the miracles or done any of the signs that we would associate with revealing himself. And he reads a scripture, a prophecy about himself. And this is in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. It's going to be from Isaiah 63. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now I feel like after reading that, this kind of great revelation about himself, it's almost like he has this mic drop moment and just walk off the stage all cool. Because he then tells them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This has been fulfilled in your hearing, meaning what? This is about me. This is a prophecy about who I am. So he's revealing himself to them as the promised one. And he must have said it with some authority, as I'm sure he said everything that he said, because they were amazed. They were in awe of him. They were struck struck back. They they didn't know how to respond at first. And then finally, I think it settles down a bit and they realize who he really is, that he's just Joseph's son, the carpenter. How could he offer anything to us? How could this be the one? How could this prophecy be about him? As so many people do upon hearing the truth of the gospel, as so many people do upon hearing the truth of who Jesus is, upon hearing what the word of God says about him, 
the Son of God reveals himself as the one sent to save them, and they don't believe it. And what I find interesting is that couldn't he have just done that? Did he owe them anything else? Could he not have just only revealed himself as the one that was promised? Couldn't he have just only had this one moment to speak, them, speak the truth to them, to reveal himself? And would he have done anything wrong if he did, didn't do anything else after this? Did all of the work to save us, but did nothing else to reveal himself? Well, no. He wouldn't have done anything wrong, and yet he did so much more. And that's what epiphany is really about, is that it isn't just one time or one moment or one instant that God reveals himself to us. He goes painstakingly far to make sure that we get the revelation. Jesus then went on over the next three years to live out that prophecy. Right? What, is the, what did it say? It says that he proclaimed good news to the poor, which we can clearly see. He did this through his preaching, his teaching, and speaking of a kingdom that they were invited to be a part of and the riches that they would have in him. He proclaimed liberty to the captives, liberty to those who were oppressed, offering freedom. We know that Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. He offers real, lasting, genuine freedom, a freedom that this world cannot offer because it's not only, it's not a freedom from chains, it's a freedom from the shame and guilt and weight of our sin in our life. We're set free from that. We were all captives. We were all in chains. We were all oppressed. And in him, we have freedom. He offered a freedom that allows us to go back to a point that, was, that Adam and Eve had, walking without fear with the Lord. Recovering sight to the blind. He did this both physically, which we believe in. God still can, can heal people today. But he also did it spiritually giving them eyes to see the truth, revealing who he was. And he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. And that isn't a year that's the beginning of a new era that we live in now today, which is why it's actually 2019, the year of our Lord. We're still in that. The plan was always there for Jesus to be revealed to humanity as their savior. And God sent, set things in motion from the start. He knew Jesus was the only way that we would ever be able to walk in freedom with the Lord. And the plan to recover our relationship to God became a real moment in history through Jesus Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection. And again, this in itself, is that not enough? Is that not amazing enough that we can read about this and see how God is revealed through Jesus Christ and what he did? There were literally hundreds and hundreds of witnesses to his life, to his miracles, to his resurrection, or to, to him after he had rose from the grave. Is that not enough? It's so much that God did to reveal himself, and yet here's where I find it to be the most 
amazing is that God's revealing himself to humanity isn't over yet, but is continuing today. And what I mean by that is that any of us here today who say, hey, I believe, I see Jesus Christ as my Lord. I believe in that. Well, you have experienced epiphany. And I want to show you that through an example that we see in Scripture and also a doctrine on the subject. So we'll look at uh, an experience or an example from Peter and a doctrine from Paul. So Jesus had just finished preaching uh, a pretty hard sermon, and a lot of his people, some of those who had even been following him for uh, since the beginning, left. They didn't want to have it. It was too difficult. And uh, Jesus then sits down with the 12, and he asks them, you know, well, what are the people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? And he's kind of, I think, pulling to see, are, does, are people getting it? Are people grasping what's being revealed to them? And then in Matthew 16, Verse 15 through 17, he says, But what about you? He asked, What do you say? Who, sorry, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Peter just experienced epiphany. And this is the reality that we live in today. The way that God continues to reveal himself to us today. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is being revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think Peter's a good example because here's a guy who really had every possible reason to believe. He had seen all of the revelation. He had heard Jesus preach and speak. He had seen him perform miracles, raising the dead. He had been there for a lot of the signs and wonders that Jesus had performed. And yet, those are not the things that revealed the truth to him. Not in themselves. It was God himself that revealed the truth to Peter. Something had to be revealed to him from within. God reveals the truth to us within our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we see that, I think, in this example. And I'll give you a doctrine from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And what that means is when we say Jesus Christ is Lord and we mean it and it is a, a, a spoken in truth, you can only say that, you can only come to that point because that truth has been revealed to you. Otherwise, it's just empty words. And that's the beauty, that's the amazement of epiphany. Not only do we have, we have so many things where God has continued to reveal himself, continued to unfold his plan. He's so purposeful, determined to reveal himself to us that he sends the Holy Spirit directly into our hearts. He makes it difficult for us to reject him. And I believe that it's in this 
We should be excited. That's what this day is about. That's what we're remembering. That not only is this truth something that we can read in a book, it's something that's given and written into our hearts. It isn't distant from us. It comes from within. And any time anybody who can say Jesus is Lord with truth and conviction only can say that because it has been revealed to them within their hearts. The Savior of the world not only came and did the work to save us, which would have been enough, and nobody could say anything else, but he put into place a plan to reveal himself to us through the Holy Spirit and in a personal, individual way. And finally, we'll kind of start to conclude with what do we do then with this? What do we do with the experience of, of epiphany, with the truth that's been revealed to us? If epiphany is the revelation of Jesus Christ to the world, then it's not only Jesus as Lord, but also who we are when we belong to him. This is also a part of the revelation we receive in the epiphany. We are called and chosen. We are called his children, named by God. He knows us by name. And our names have been written in the book of life before time began, before the foundations of the earth, it says in Ephesians. And we belong to him because he has revealed himself to us. And in him, we're united. This is where it comes full circle about who we are. Because in this calling, in this epiphany, this revelation we've received, we're united as the church. And in this, we represent to the world the truth that has been revealed to us by God about Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. So in conclusion, I thought it would be fitting to end with the closing words of the Gospel of Matthew. And I say that because this whole holiday is kind of founded and and, uh, connected strongly with the story of the Magi, and that's the only place that it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. And I think it's really interesting because actually Matthew tends to lean into these ideas about how God was also working outside of the Israelites. He hints at several points. There are several stories where he's bringing in how God had a plan for the people beyond the Israelites, beyond the Jews. And so I think it's fitting to use his concluding statements in, uh, in his gospel, where I believe we also see the purpose and the calling that we have in our epiphany, in the revelation we've received. This is a famous passage, you'll know it. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The truth that we've been given is the revelation that Jesus Christ is always with us, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, 
that he will walk with us every step of the way throughout this life. So he doesn't just reveal himself and say, here I am, I've saved you, good luck. He walks with us. He's there every step of the way. And this truth that we've received from Jesus Christ and about who he is, we know extends far beyond just him as our savior. It's every aspect of the relationship that we have because we know him. Every aspect of our identity found in him. All the promises that are given to us through him, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we are made new through him. All these promises, all these revelations are not meant for us to hold on to and keep secret. We're meant to take this revelation and share it with the world. Why? Because God also sees fitting, for some reason, to use the foolishness of man to reveal himself to it. He uses the foolishness of us speaking about him, the example of how we live our life, the decisions we make as we walk with him. And this demonstrates to the world around us the revelation we've received. And this is a part of our calling, not to hide it under, hide it under a blanket, not to hold on to it tightly and be satisfied in it alone, but to share it. We're called, and I want to point out that we're, we're not called to make Christians of all the nations. We're called to make disciples. And Christians can, this term can really, uh, you know, be put a little bit out of context. You know, we see a car in front of us and they have the, you know, the little fish sticker. Oh, they must be Christian cross necklace, even if it's a cool one like Giannis's. We're not called to make Christians, to make some kind of image of what a Christian should look like. We're called to make disciples. And what does that mean? And what does it mean in light of epiphany? Well, this is what I want to leave you guys with because it's our first service of the year that you would tag this on to your resolutions for the year to make disciples. Every single one of us is on a journey with the Lord. Every single one of us has been walking with the Lord, some longer than others. Some are a little bit further along. Some of us maybe not quite. Some of us are newer believers. But each and every one of us has been personally had an epiphany a revealing of God, a revealing of who He is, a revealing of His nature. And as we walk with Him, He reveals more and more about Himself, more and more about who He is. And we know Him more, and it becomes more intimate and more personal. And when Jesus said, go and make disciples, I think the way that this becomes practical is I am to take what God has given me and instill it in somebody else. So when I'm walking... And I see that there are people maybe that are a little bit behind me. I don't want to be prideful and say, what's wrong with you? Catch up. Come on, read your Bible more. I want to say, hey, let me share some truth that God's laid on my heart with you. Let me, let me instill something into you that God's revealed to me. Man, what would it look like if we all were doing this all the time?
if we were all taking the truth that we know, that we've been given, the way that Scripture has come alive to us, the times that God has spoken to us, the times that God has brought us through a hard time or brought us through an experience or brought us into something joyous, or all of these things are God revealing Himself to us. What if we took all of those things and made it a point this year to instill it in someone else? Oh, you're struggling with something? Man, let me tell you about the time God brought me through. Let me tell you how God strengthened me. Let me encourage you. Let me give you what God's given me. And what you'll find most of the time is that you're not, you don't have it as all together as you think, and they're going to be able to give things back to you. But we are to go and make disciples. And that means investment. That means taking everything that God has given you and using it to give to someone else. So make that a part of your resolutions this year. And I would, I would really encourage you, even if it's just one person, find somebody to pass on what God has given to you. And that's what Epiphany is really about. Taking the revelation that God has given first all humanity through Jesus Christ. I'll invite the band to come back up. And also the epiphany, the revelation that God has given you personally and finding ways to instill it in those who God might want to use you to give it to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed yourself to us, that we can know you as Savior, as Lord, as friend, as brother, Lord, you continue to reveal yourself to us day after day through every experience, through everything that we face in this life. Help us, Father, to take those things that we've been given and instill them in those around us. Lord, that we as the body of Christ, as the believers, as the church today would grow, be strengthened, that we would be disciples and make disciples of each other. We pray these things in Jesus' name and to your glory. Amen. We're going to have a time of worship now. And uh, as we begin the time of worship, the ushers are going to come and pass the hats for the offering. As always, the offering is something that we do because we believe in worshiping God with what he's given us. And uh, it's nothing that you have to do. It's something that we do when we have a heart to do it. So don't feel like you have, there's a pressure to do it. But if you do have it on your heart, this will be the opportunity. And I'll pray over that too really quickly. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and building in this church. We thank you, Father, for what you're continuing to plan for this future, or the, especially as we're coming into a new year, what you want to do this year with it. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless the money, bless the finances and that it would be used for your kingdom as you would see fit. Amen.